Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn them with me to John chapter number 14. And if you are thankful today that the plan of the redemption of all mankind was finished at the cross, say amen. Well, you're talking about some powerful songs and some good singing and um, sweet spirit. That's, we've experienced all those things this morning. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us into the presence of God through praise and worship. What a blessing that he is. I love singing about the cross. I love singing about the blood. Because without the cross, without the blood, none of us have any hope. And so we praise Jesus for what he has done on our behalf. Man, how good it is. This morning, I want to talk to you about the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be looking in John chapter 14 and also a little bit in John chapter number 16 today. So I'm going to ask you to keep your Bibles open. And this is a pretty broad subject, a pretty deep subject. And so uh, we're not finished with it this morning, at least for the next two weeks. We're going to be looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, in the life of the church. And so we're going to start today in John chapter 14, verse number 16. I want to read to you three verses, 16, 17, and 18. Then we'll come back and look at some of this. Look what the Bible says. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But watch what it says here. He's speaking to his disciples, his followers. He says, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. Now watch what else he says. He shall be in you. Everybody say in you. That's a big two words there. I mean, that, that is um, foundation, foundational truth for the believer. Look what it says in verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We are so thankful that what you promised, you will do. What you have promised in your word, you have done. I'm thankful, Lord, we can count on you. I'm thankful this morning for the uh, work of you, Holy Spirit, in my life. I'm so thankful that you continually use me for your honor and your glory, not because of who I am, but because of who you are. So, Lord, I'm asking that one more time you use me this morning. Fill me up and pour me out in the lives of these people, working in me and working through me to accomplish your goodwill and purpose. Lord, this is not about me. It's not about us. It's all about you this morning. And I'm praying in Jesus' name you would have your way and your will in these services. Lord, I pray that any hindrance that might be in this place would be removed. I pray that anything that, uh, Lord, this morning uh, would would keep your truth from going out to your people. Lord, you would bind that you would do what only you are capable of doing by your power today, speaking to hearts and changing lives. Show us your work, Holy Spirit, by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, folks, if I can tell you one thing that scares me to death is your pastor here at Mount Zion is that we learn to do church or to do ministry without the power and work of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what bothers me more than anything else. I never want us to get to the place in our lives where we are going through the motions and doing the work apart from the power of God. Because how do we know that can certainly happen? We, we can sometimes get in a rut. We can sometimes... Uh, listen, operate in our power instead of God's power, but I can promise you this. We may get by doing that. 
We may go ahead and have service. We may go ahead and do ministry, whatever that might be, whatever plan and program that we have, and we can get by in our own power. But let me say something to you. We will never be effective in our own power. We're never going to be able to do what God has saved us to do to fulfill His purpose in this world in our own ability and power. We need the work of the Holy Spirit desperately in our individual lives and in our church. I've come to find that to be true in my own individual ministry, and it's certainly true collectively here in the body of Christ, in this body of believers. We need Him. Folks, I want to say something to you. The work of the Holy Spirit is not optional. It's not incidental. I'm going to say that the work of the Holy Spirit is fundamental. It's not something we need. It's something we must have. And so many times I think churches dry up and die out. And I'll tell you why. Because we learn to do church and do ministry without the power of God. And so what scares me more than anything else as your pastor is that we don't allow God the Holy Spirit to work in us and to work through us to do His work. That we get comfortable doing things our way instead of His way. That we get complacent in our worship. Complacent in the work that God has called us to do. And so I want to tell you, if we are ignorant of the work of the Holy Spirit, we'll never be the soul winner God's called us to be. If we are ignorant of the work of the Holy Spirit, we'll never be the prayer warrior God's called us to be. If we are ignorant of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for us to be effective in anything God's called us to be. We'll never be the husband God wants us to be or the wife God wants us to be or the father God wants us to be or the mother God wants us to be if we are ignorant of God's power in our lives, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We need Him. So this morning, I want you to know that we welcome here at Mount Zion God the Holy Spirit and His work to do anything and everything He wants to do however He chooses to do it. We never want to put God in a box and say you can only do things this way. Just let God be God and follow it. And so this morning, before we look at the work, and I'm going to get to that, but very quickly I want to talk about who the Holy Spirit is. Because I think that's... Uh, uh, something in the church today that's greatly misunderstood. And a lot, a lot of the reason for that is because very seldom do you hear people preach on the Holy Spirit. I'll be honest, folks, until I was about 18 or 19 years old, and I grew up in church all my life. I grew up in a Baptist church all my, all my life. I very, very seldom ever heard anybody talk about the Holy Spirit. Until about 18, 19 years old, I began hearing of the work of the Holy Spirit and how He operates. And man, it changed my life forever. So this morning, first of all, I want us to see who He is. And I'm going to give you two statements concerning the Holy Spirit and we'll look at them in the Word of God. First of all, the Holy Spirit is God. Listen, and the Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father, God the Son. Um, he's just as much God. We know the Bible teaches that God has a triune nature. We believe in what some theologians call the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all three God. 
They're all three one, but they reveal themselves distinctly different ways and they have different personalities, distinctly different personalities, each one of them. Now, folks, I've heard and I know that you've probably heard a lot of analogies trying to explain the Holy Trinity. I heard the one about water and I thought it was pretty good. They say that water, even though it's always H2O, can be uh, seen in three different forms. It can be in a solid form, it can be in, in, in a liquid form, and it can be in the form of a gas, that water vapor that we're breathing in and out right now. All of it's H2O, all of it's water, but it's distinctly different in its three forms. Now, I still don't think that goes deep enough for us to explore. I know it doesn't. No uh, example that we can give as mere mortals could ever explain completely immortality. We'll never be able to explain and fully understand on this side of eternity what the Holy Trinity is all about and how everything works and operates. And I'm okay with that. Let me tell you why. Folks, if I can explain everything there is to know about God, who He is and what He does, then He's no bigger than I am. If I can explain everything about God, then He's not God at all. I want you to know we're always going to have questions about what's going on because, again, we've got a finite uh, human being trying to explain an infinite God. So what I'm trying to tell you is there are certain aspects of our faith, the Christian faith, that must be taken by faith. (laughs) That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says it like this, that it is impossible to please God apart from faith. You have to trust Him. We're never going to be able to explain everything. Dr. Charles Spurgeon said something that I love. He said, to try and explain the Holy Trinity, you lose your mind. And man, after I think about the Holy Trinity and after I start letting all that roll around upstairs, uh, I think he's right. You can get to the point where you'll run yourself crazy. He said, to try and explain it, you'll lose your mind. He said, but to explain it away, you'll lose your soul. That's good stuff. It must be taken by faith. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three, three distinct personalities, but one God. Now, what does that look like in Scripture? Even though it's hard for us to explain it, we see evidence of it all throughout the Word of God. I want us to go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, this morning for just a moment. And I want you to see something here. The Bible says in the first verse of the Bible, and the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you believe that, say amen today. Absolutely. We believe that here. We believe that God, by His spoken word, created the universe. And so God the Father, we know, was at creation. But how many of you know God the Father was not only at creation, but God the Son was as well? We find that in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Put that on the screen for me, brothers, if you will. John chapter 1. Starting with verse number 1. John here uses the Word to describe the Lord Jesus. And he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. So if he's using Word to describe Jesus, let's put Jesus in that verse. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God the Father. And Jesus was God. Can you say amen to that? Look at verse number 2. I like this. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse number 3, 
And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So according to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, God the Father was at creation. According to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, God the Son was at creation. But look back now in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2. The Bible says, And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, everybody say the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So according to Scripture, the evidence that we find on the pages of the Word of God, we have God the Father at creation, we have God the Son at creation, and we have God the Holy Spirit at creation. Now watch this. This is also uh, very amazing, the truth we find in the Word of God. Go down to verse number 26. Genesis chapter 1. Verse number 26, and God said, watch what he says, let us. Now it's God speaking, but when referring to himself, he says us. Now if we say us, that means um, either uh, two or more. Can you say amen to that? And so what's God talking about? God said, let us make man in our image. So what's God saying? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit was all there at creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit was all there when man was formed. When man was created. So even though, folks, we can't explain it, we see evidence all throughout the Word of God of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three God, all three one. So the Holy Spirit is God. Number two, the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, it gets beside me from time to time when I hear somebody talk about the Holy Spirit as if he were an it, he were a thing. Listen, folks, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a him. He is a person with a personality. And because he is a person with a personality, you can know him. And he, because he is God and he is a person, he does know you. And he knows you even better than you know yourself. Do you know that? He knows what you need when you don't even know what you need. This is the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. This is the amazing thing about being a child of God. God knows you better than you know you. God knows what you need more than you know what you need. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 26, because the Holy Spirit is a person with a personality that He prays for us. Let's go over there and just look at that together this morning. Take your Bibles and I want every believer to see this today. This will be a blessing to you. You'll need this from time to time in your life. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. The Spirit of God, watch this now, helps our infirmities or our weaknesses. The Spirit of God helps us in our times of weakness. And folks, how many of you know as human beings we all have those times? Don't we? There are times when we're physically weak. There are times when we're emotionally weak. There are times when it seems as though life has snuck up on us and jerked the rug right out from under our feet and we fall flat on our face and we wonder what in the world is going on. The Bible says God the Holy Spirit helps us in the time of our weakness. Isn't that good? 
That's help I want. That's help I need. He goes on and says in verse number 26, For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever had that, had that in your life? I mean, you're going through something that's just, like we said before, jerk the rug right up from under you and you wonder what in the world's going on and which end is up. And you don't even know how to pray or what to pray. You ever been there? Hey, you may have problems in your family and you say, oh Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray or what to pray. I don't know what I need. I don't know what they need. You may have problems in your marriage. You say, Lord, I don't know what to do anymore. I, I, I've done all I know to do, God. I don't know what else to do or which way to go. You have problems with your kids, problems at your workplace, problems, weaknesses that we all have. The Bible says when we don't even know how to pray or what to pray. God, the Holy Spirit, who is a person who knows us better than we know ourselves, he prays on our behalf. Look. It says in the last part of that verse, I love this. He said, we, don't, we, and, and, and we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us, and guess what He does? He prays on our behalf when we don't even know what we need or how to pray. Man, I've come to find out as a parent, a lot of times I don't know what to pray or how to pray for my kids. I know you've heard it and it's kind of a cliche, a cliche, but they're going through things that we've never experienced when we were that age. That's true. There's a whole lot of truth in that. And so a lot of times I don't know what they need or how to help them. But I'm so thankful as a child of God that now because I have the ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, that when I don't know what I need or I don't know what to pray for, God prays for me. And he knows it all. Wow. That's fantastic. That's about the best news I've heard all day. So the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit is a person. That's who He is. Now what's He do? Go back to John 14 with me and we're going to get back into this. John chapter 14, the Bible says in verse number 16, let's just read that one to begin with. And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Let me set the stage before we get on into this uh, any further. How many of you know that John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16 it's called the upper room discourse. Now, what that means is Jesus is spending his last hours with his disciples before he goes to the cross. He's about to go to the cross and leave this walk of life. He's about to go to the cross and pay the penalty for the sins of all mankind, for your sin and for my sin. And so in these last hours, he sits down with his disciples, those that he loves and them that love him, those ones that are closest to him, these in the inner circle, if you will, the disciples of the Lord Jesus, the followers of Christ. He sits down with them. He starts giving them some great truths. Now, have you ever heard someone say, well, they saved the best for last? Now, folks, I want to tell you, everything you read that came from the mouth of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of it's powerful and all of it's important. But John 14, 15, and 16 is especially important for the disciple because that's who he's speaking to. Well, guess what? You too, if you're a follower of Christ, are a disciple. And so it's good for us. 
All of this truth that he's about to give is needful for us. And in the midst of this, he gives the promise of the Holy Spirit right there in the 16th verse. Now, the first work of the Holy Spirit is to restore the presence of Jesus in this world. Now, why would the presence of Jesus need to be restored? Well, that's a good question. In John chapter 13, Jesus says to his disciples in verse number 33, he says, guys, where I'm going, you can't come. I'm about to go back to my heavenly father. I'm going back to, from, back to where I came from. And when I go, you can't go with me. Now, I want you to think about that just a minute. When I got to thinking about that this week, how that the disciples had forsook all and followed Jesus. Do y'all remember that? We've talked a whole lot about that in our discipleship class on Sunday nights through this radical small group study that we've been doing. How that a disciple, a true disciple, forsakes everything else and they put Jesus in the first place in their life and they keep Jesus in the first place in their life. Jesus becomes first priority. That's what a disciple does. That's what these disciples have done. Now they've been doing it for about three and a half years. I'm talking about they left their family. They left their job. They left their friends. They left everything they knew to be normal. They left their life and said, Lord, it's no longer about what we want. Um, it's about what you want. We're following wholeheartedly after you. To the point that Jesus said, the true disciple, it's going to appear like you hate even the ones closest to you. Your wife and your kids and your mother and your father. It'll appear that you hate them because you love me so much. That's what these disciples have done. And for three and a half years, everywhere Jesus went, they went with him. When he was preaching, they were there to listen. When he was praying, they was praying with him. When he did the miracles, they saw it. When he was sitting around the campfire at night, they sat there with him. They were with Jesus for three and a half years, had forsook everything in their lives to follow him. And then he, one day he says, listen guys, I'm going back to the Father, but where I'm going, you can't go with me. Now, how do you think that would have made you feel? I think we would have felt a little bit like Peter. If you go on down to verse number 36 in John 13, Peter says, Lord, where you're going, I'm going too. I've made this decision. I'm going to follow you. I think Peter was a little bit discouraged. I think Peter felt a little bit like he was being let down. He said, Lord, I, I've left everything. I left my, my family, my business, my life, and I've made you my life. Now it's all about you, and now you're telling me I can't go with you? And Jesus said, yep, that's it. You can't go with me now, but I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and then I'll come back and receive you unto myself. And then he makes a promise here in 16. He says, I'm going to send back to you another comforter. Now there's two words in John 14, 16 that we've got to get a hold of. First of all, it's the word another. You notice it there. Jesus said, I will give you another comforter that he may abide with you. Now, when he says the word another, uh, Greek scholars tell us that in the Greek language, you have two separate words for another. It can mean another of a different kind or it can mean another of the same kind. Now, if we were talking about the Greek word for another of a different kind, it would kind of be something like this. Let's just say if we were dealing with uh, 
uh, transportation. Let's just say that your mode of transportation was a bicycle. All right? And you went out and you got a, uh, a, a car. When you were describing the car you had just got for transportation, you would use the Greek word that meant another of a different kind. You no longer have a bicycle, now you have a car. But that's not the word Jesus used here. He used the Greek word for another, which means another of the same kind. It's the word parakletos. And so what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to send you back another just like myself. Another comforter just as I am your comforter. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to restore the presence of Jesus with his people in this world. Wow. And it's one just like Jesus. That's what he's saying. You see, when the disciples were walking with Christ physically in this world, if they needed comforting, he was there to do it. A comforter is a teacher. A comforter is a guide. A comforter is a friend. If they needed a friend, they had the Lord Jesus with them. If they needed a guide to show them which way to go, the Lord Jesus was with them. If they had a problem that they couldn't fix, the Lord Jesus was with them. He said, but now I'm going back to the Father. But guess what? I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you without a friend. I'm not going to leave you without a guide. I'm not going to leave you without a teacher. I'm going to give you another comforter, one like unto myself, the parakletos that's going to do for you what I've been doing. Wow. Now listen to me. Why is this so good? Well, how many of you have ever said, I I bet if we were honest this morning, probably 90% of believers in this room this morning have said one time or another in their life, boy, I wish that I could have been with Jesus when he was walking here upon the earth. I wish I could have seen him feed the 5,000 and preach at the Sermon on the Mount. I wish I could have seen all the good things raising up Lazarus. And I wish I could have heard him pray like the disciples heard him pray. I wish I could have walked with Jesus daily like they walk with Jesus daily. Well, guess what? You can Because now the work of the Holy Spirit has restored the presence of Jesus in the believer's life. So now Jesus walks with me. Jesus talks with me. Jesus uses me, working on me, working in me, and working through me to accomplish His goodwill and purpose. So I'm a part of the ministry of Christ today just like the disciples were back then. Wow. Parakletos. Another comforter just like myself. You say, well, wait a minute, brother. He says, I'm going to send you back another comforter. And then he says in verse 18, I will come to you. Now, is Jesus contradicting himself? Is he saying that uh, there, there are two different things here? No. He's making clear what we've already said about the Holy Trinity. See, folks, if Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit came to replace Jesus, The Holy Spirit and Jesus are one. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit is Christ in the Christian. So that now, what we need, comforting in, when we need teaching, when we need guiding, when we need help with our problems, when we need fellowship with the Savior, we have it through the work of the Holy Spirit. The word another, that's a big word. It's so big, Jesus said something in John 16. Flip over there in verse number 7. 
He tells his disciples, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. It's needful for you that I go away. It's better for you, is what he's saying, that I go away. He goes on and says, For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So what the Bible is saying is, it's better for us that we have the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what it means? Why? Because when Jesus is here in his physical body, he could only be at one place at one time. We saw that all throughout the scriptures in the, in the gospels. Do you remember when Lazarus got sick and Jesus was away and Martha said, Lord, if you'd only been here, then he wouldn't have died. See, Jesus couldn't be with Lazarus and be wherever else he was. He could only be in one place at one time. But let me give you some good news. It's better for us today because now Jesus is with every believer. Jesus can be here with me as I'm preaching this message and he can be with you at work. Jesus can be here with me and with my father over in Gwen. Jesus can be here with me and your grandma or your grandpa or your cousin or your aunt or your uncle. Every believer upon the face of the earth, the Holy Spirit has indwelled and he's with us at all times. So God is at work in and through his people everywhere. Now, that's a lot different from what we saw in the Old Testament, isn't it? Yeah, a whole lot different. See, all throughout the Old Testament, up until Jesus came and did for us what needed doing, established the new covenant, the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. Many times you would see the Bible say that the Holy Spirit came upon them for a specific purpose at a specific time. You find that in 1 Samuel 15. You remember when uh, Samuel came, was told by God to come and, and to uh, anoint the, uh, the, the, the King David. Now what happened? He got there and, and, and they started bringing all the sons of Jesse before him. Matter of fact, they brought seven sons before him. And he said, is this everybody? Because God kept saying, no, that ain't him. And they'd bring him another. And God said, no, that ain't him. And bring him another. And God said, no, that ain't him. And matter of fact, he told the prophet, he said this. He said, don't look on his outward appearance because that ain't how I see things. I look at the heart. Well, praise God for that. That's good news for us, isn't it? <laughs> and so Jesse, he says, oh, yeah, I got David. He's still out in the field tending the sheep. The prophet said, you go get him, bring him in here. He brought him in, stood him there before the man of God. The Lord said, anoint him, that's him. The Bible says from that moment on, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now he came upon David so that David might perform, perform a specific task in a specific season. But a lot of times what you would see after that was done then the Holy Spirit would go again. He, wouldn't, he would be with them when, they, when he was needed, but he didn't dwell in them like he does today. You see, now the Holy Spirit is in us. That's the next word I want you to see, the word abide. Isn't that what it says there in John chapter 14, verse 16, that he may abide with you forever. He goes on and says in verse 17, he is with you, but he shall be in you. 
The word abide also in the Greek means to dwell with permanently. And so what Jesus is making the promise of here to his disciples and to us, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to stay. Listen, the Holy Spirit don't come for a season and leave. Somebody needs to say amen to that. Listen, the Holy Spirit don't come for a certain time and then leave and let you do your own thing and then come back and then leave and then come back and then leave. Listen, He came to set up permanent residence within your heart and life. I heard one preacher say, because He set up residence, that means He ought to be president. He ought to be making decisions and calling the shots and leading God and directing you as your comforter throughout your day. That's how we become effective. Amen? The apostle Paul said it like this. Put this on the screen, brothers. Ephesians 4.30. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30, the Bible teaches that we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit and we are sealed by Him under the day of redemption. Isn't that good stuff? That means when God puts his seal on you, he don't remove it. That means when God saves you, you saved. That means when God indwells you, he never leaves. He abides with you forever and seals you under the day of redemption. Why do I believe in eternity, eternal security? Because the Bible teaches it. Because the scripture says the Holy Spirit gives you eternal life. Abundant life. And when does eternal life stop? He don't give you intermittent life. He gives you eternal life. And he seals you to the day of redemption. Well, praise the Lord. So he abides with us. Another comforter, just like Jesus, living in the believer. So Jesus lives in us in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the person of the Holy Spirit, so that we might accomplish the goodwill and purpose of God Almighty. Isn't that good? What's the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, number one is, The presence of Jesus in this world with his people. That's why the Bible says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Why? Because he's in us. He's in us. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16 that we're the temple of God. The temple is where God dwells. We are God's temple because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Amen? (laughs) In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. In the New Testament, God has a people for his temple. God dwells in us. 
Child of God, if you've been born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Now, when I finally got a hold of that right there, I started using it. When I finally got a hold of that and it started making a difference in my life, when I realized it, then I began to realize that whatever I face in my life, none of it's too big for God. And He's with me. So, when, man, when I have problems in my workplace, I use this. Lord, your word tells me you're my comforter, you're my helper, you're my teacher, you're my guide. You are God. And you are with me. And I'm asking you to do what needs doing in this situation. When things get too big for me to handle at church, I use this. Guess when that is? All the time. I use this. Lord, you know these people's hearts and I don't. You know what they need and I don't. Lord, you can do the work and I can't. And if the work's going to get done, you've got to do it. Help me here. Lead me here. Guide me here. Teach me here. Comfort me and comfort them. When my kids get stupid, do stuff they know they ain't supposed to do, I use it. Lord, you are God. You are able. I can't be with them 24 hours a day, but you can. I can't protect them 24 hours a day, but you can. Lord, I'm praying for your favor to be a blessing to be upon my kids that I love so much. When it gets tough in my marriage, when it, Lord, help me. You're my helper, aren't you? You're my parakletos. Get real with him. And I'll promise you, he'll get real with you. Now today, you may need a little help. It's all right. We all do. Put my name at the top of the list. I need it. We all do. Well, I got good news. He's still in the helping business. He's still the comforter. He's still in the teaching business. He's still the teacher. He still guides and does for us what only he can do. God in you. Maybe you just need to come and talk some things over. This altar is a great place. Lord, I need you help in this area or that area. Be my helper here, Lord. Be my guide here, Lord. Teach me. Show me what I'm supposed to do. Ask Him. Take advantage of what you have. If you're here and you've never been saved, then guess what? The Holy Spirit is not living in you yet. And I stress yet because God's still in the saving business. And by His grace, through faith today, you can be saved. Won't you come if you need to be saved? Whatever you need today, be submissive to the will of the Holy Spirit. What a work He has. What a work He does if we let Him. Everybody stand up. If you need to the Lord, you come this morning.